The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, episode 342 for Thursday, July 14th, 2011. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where you send in your questions, you send in your tips. We provide some answers, we provide some tips, and together we all have some fun learning more about the Mac and Apple products. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, in the second floor of my house, <laughs> in the office, <laughs> or what I call the office, well, it's, it's the room where all the computer stuff is. That's an office. John F. Braun. Greetings, John F. Braun. How are you doing today, man? Fantastic. Uh, Anytime anybody says that, it reminds me of the old networking days. Lantastic, we used to say. And that was usually facetiously in response to problems with it. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. No, but things are fantastic. Beautiful weather today. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm holed up here in the the studio, and I have the, we have some inserts that we put in the windows for soundproofing. And I had band rehearsal last night, so the... The insert is still right next to me, so I'm not getting the benefit of the warmth of the sun. It, it could be four in the morning, as far as I know. Completely pitch oh. back in here without the lights on. Okay. And I told you I just uh, had some uh, renovations to the house, and I got some new front windows, so I was able to get the whole breezy thing through the house. My, my front windows used to be just, you couldn't open them. Right. So that limited airflow. So it's really that's, nice. That's limited airflow. A, yes. Well, so on a nice breezy day as today, I mean, today was almost perfect uh, New England weather, I would say, in the 70s, little breeze. So, John, it's getting a little hot. I'm going to so put the, you on the, the sp- Oh, go ahead. Put me on the spot. I'm going to put, put you on the, on the spot. spot. Yeah. So chances are. So we're doing the show today because I'm away next week again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we wanted to make sure we got in, uh, got through all the stuff that we have in the in the queue and uh, and keep the keep the content flowing, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what that means is, of course, we won't be recording next week. And. Uh, chances are lion will be released at some point next week. Apple's earnings call is Tuesday. So, you know, the crystal ball is a little fuzzy, fuzzy on this. Maybe it'll be Tuesday. Maybe it'll be Thursday. I don't know, but you know, chances are, we're not going to be here to, uh, to do a show like right after uh, lion is released. So with that, uh, and I, I'm putting myself on the spot as much as you, John, cause I didn't prep anything for this either, but any final thoughts uh, before many of our listeners, uh, dive in and go ahead and install lion. And, and I can probably start if you don't have something that jumps to mind right away. Oh no. All, all I know is what, what I'm going to do. So I, I haven't thoroughly checked. I know there are lists out there of apps. I mean, I have, right. Well, if I have to offer any one thing to, to ease the migration, although a lot of people have released their uh, software, updated their software to say that it will be compatible with Lion. But I, yeah. I think the one showstopper and the most important thing for everybody to do, unless you've just gotten a brand spanking new Mac, is get the system profiler, look at your applications, and make sure they are all either Intel or Universal. Otherwise, you will be unhappy. Right. Yeah, because, of course, the Rosetta or the PowerPC stuff will not work. Other than that, I mean, the only thing I'm going to do, Dave, I, I indicated to you I'm not a... Uh, you know, that crazy about this update versus other ones, but right. I'm going to do a full backup with carbon copy cloner of, uh, I, I think I'll do it on my, you know, I'm trying to think if I should do it on my MacBook pro, which is my pretty much my daily machine. And the mini is my podcast machine, but I think I'm going to risk it 
First, I'm going to do a full backup of the hard drive sure. using Carbon Copy Cloner. In case something goes horribly wrong, I can always revert back. But uh, I'm going to do that first, and then, uh, assuming it will come out within the next week or week and a half, I'll uh, you know I'll pull the trigger and, and and we'll see what happens and make notes about things that don't go quite as expected, and <laughs> we we can share it on the next show. There you go. Okay, so you know I've been running it on my main. Two machines. Uh, in fact, the only machine I use regularly that it's not on is this third one, which, of course, is the one I podcast Well, you've been on. running the, I, I guess, the, uh, what do they call it? The uh, the Gold Master? The developer or what, what? previews and then the Gold Master. That's right. Which, which Maybe. traditionally has been, uh, but but it's certainly possible that a change would be made and, uh, and that might be a good thing. Uh, but uh, but in, in a general sense, you know, it's been running fine for me. Um, obviously it was quirky early on as, as you would expect, but, but you know, the, the fourth developer build and the update to that, and then the golden master, it's been running great. The, the, the big thing, just like you said, is your apps. And if you're a Quicken user, as I am, uh, you need to find another solution for me. That solution was moving Quicken to this machine, um, to buy me more time to find a, a final answer, whether I want to, you know, try and stick with Quicken somehow or uh, or migrate to an iBank or Money Dance. But as far as Lion goes, I, I like it. Um, it's been fine, works fine. Uh, but yeah, do a do a full backup. That's what I did, and then you're going to download it from the App Store and uh, and install it. And it it's probably going to be one of the smoothest OS uh, upgrade installs that you've ever done simply because of the app store and the way that all that works. Yeah. The, the, the only fish shake that I've seen from a lot of people. So, so I believe it's about a four, three point something, four gigabyte download. Yeah, that's right. Or at least that's what <laughs> no, it's been. I mean, I presuming it'll stay right. the same. Right. And, and most of us, at least in, in populated areas of the United States have plans where downloading a four gigabyte file is not going to break the incur, bank. Well, it's not going to break it. it you know, and that I think both you and I have services where as long as we don't abuse it, uh, a four gigabyte download is not going to count against any sort of uh, uh, right. count. Right. Uh, of course, you read the story about this one guy who got nailed by, uh, I think it was Comcast who yelled at this one guy because he was doing way, way too much, you know, like way above any of his neighbors. And, and I think they kind of cut him off. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if, if I'm sure they'll, you know, there's, there's multiple sides to that story. What I'm sure Comcast will do is sit down with the guy and figure out why he was using that much and then make a determination as to whether they want to turn him back on, you know? So to me, the only, the only bummer is for people probably either in, in parts of the country where they may not have broadband or parts of the world where you have metered usage right. and, and they count every gigabyte that uh, not everybody may be entirely happy with this. And I don't know if Apple's going to offer an alternative. As far as I know, the app store right now is the only official way for people to, to do the upgrade and yes. to download it Yes, and, right. and take up four gigabytes of bandwidth. And, but then once you do that, then you don't have to do it again. Right. Right. So, so okay. exciting. Yeah. Good. All right. Uh, you know, what? let's talk about our first sponsor here, which is going to be Barebones Software at Barebones.com. Barebones has a couple of products we like to talk about. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Yojimbo. Yojimbo is a an app where you can just throw everything, all those random, seemingly unrelated bits of data that just come into your life. May They might be, you know, little text snippets or serial numbers or PDFs or whatever it is. And, 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 you know, instead of just creating a folder on your desktop and throwing things into that and kind of organizing it that way, that's what your Jimbo's for. Cause you can then search 
within it, you can create little collections. You can organize things the way you want, but, uh, but really it's just for all those random kind of bits of information that don't necessarily fit anywhere else, you know, uh, go check out Yojimbo. It's at barebones.com. You can get a, a 30 day free trial and then it's 38 99 to uh, purchase it. And I believe that's a buck less than it is in the app store. Uh, but I believe it's also for sale in the Mac app store, but, uh, but go check it out. Barebones.com. I, it's something I've been using since about two hours after it came out years ago. And, uh, and I love it. It's, it's awesome. In fact, I, I still prep the show in it. I can just throw, uh, PDFs and, and audio files right into Yojimbo. And then I build a little agenda that John and I go off of and we, uh, we go from there. So check it out. Barebones.com Yojimbo for the Mac and also for the iPad. Uh, all right, John. So let's go to Dan and Dan writes, I'm having a bit of an odd issue with Apple mail. A couple days ago, I noticed that a slew of messages around 20 were marked as having been sent on July 11th, 2011. The problem is, I know for certain they were not. Many of them were sent months ago and on different days. Most of these messages are from my MobileMe account, with the exception of one from Gmail. I checked my MobileMe web-based email, and all is fine there. I even checked with with Sparrow, a different app that I use from time to time, and things look normal there too. So I'm pretty sure it's not some random IMAP bug. I'm thinking it's an Apple Mail cache problem. Is there a cache file that I can trash and have mail rebuild to fix this problem? All accounts are IMAP, so there shouldn't be any problems with losing messages. With Lion mere days away, I'd like to get the issue fixed so I can play with the new version of mail without hesitation. Okay, uh, so there's a couple things to check. Uh, before we think that there is a data corruption problem, and there might be, I want to make sure you're looking at this the way you think you're looking at it. And I say that because mail has something very quirky with regards to the way it displays dates. If you're in Apple mail and you go up to the, you go to any one of your mailboxes and then go to the view menu. The first thing there, at least in the uh, leopard version of mail, 10.5 is columns and in columns, you have a couple of you have a lot of things that you can select, but there are two for the date, one called date received and the other called date sent. I believe by default, you know, to be honest, I don't know what mail displays by default because it's been so long since I've seen a default mail. But no, I think I do. Uh, oh, yeah. That's what does what it display for you? Well, well, in my setup here, Dave, I yeah. see two subject. Right. Wait, wait, but which of the date columns, which of the date columns do you have by oh. default? Date sent. Okay. So, so that's the, to me, that's the right one to have because date sent shows you the date header embedded in the email message set by the sender of the email. So for sent mail, uh, that's you. And for received mail, that's whatever the sender's uh, mail client put in there. And that to me is an, a, a reliable indicator of when that message was sent, unless somebody's messing with their timestamp or whatever. The date received column, and you can show either or both, uh, but the date received column shows the date that mail.app first saw the message. So the date that it first pulled it down. Uh, and this could be quite a bit different from date sent and, and has been very confusing at times. So, uh, but, it, but it is handy to know when did that message arrive here as opposed to when was it sent to me. And usually that's within seconds of each other, but sometimes it's not. And so that's what date received is showing you. So, it's it, what I would say uh, to Dan is first, make sure you're, sh- you're looking at date sent because you don't want to be confused by that. And, and so 
if that doesn't solve it, uh, then yeah, there are some things to do. Uh, Onyx will rebuild mails uh, cash. Uh, you can do it manually and we'll put a, a link in the show notes to an article that shows you how to rebuild the envelope index file, uh, which is another of mails caches. Uh, and that, that too might, you know, might, uh, might do it. So you could also uh, highlight the mailbox that it's in and choose from the mailbox menu rebuild. That'll just rebuild that one mailbox. And that might be enough. If the data is all out on an IMAP server, just pull it all in, you know, forget what you have, pull it all in. That should do it. At least, uh, you know, those are my thoughts. I don't know, John, if you had any, any follow-ups. Not really. There, there is one tiny little shortcut you could do. If you are in, in the sent section and you do a right click, it's basically a shortcut that, that gives you the same thing as the view menu, but it will show you also the column headers and you can add those there. So that's kind of a, a slightly quicker way. If you're where, uh, say this again, I want to I'm sorry. This. If, if you're yeah. in sent. Okay. Right. So in my sent mail. Yeah. Right. Well, say you got one of those column headers. We'll do a right click. Oh, very interesting. Okay. You get the same menu that you would see in the view. Right. I, I just, so that's a, a, little, a quicker way of oh, yeah. adding or subtracting columns in that view. Yeah. But in my view, the, you know, if I look at date set and date received, they're all the same for my sent mail, at least for my iMap, IMAP accounts. So, right. so I'm with you that a, a rebuild, because I do have some older messages, mostly ones that I imported back from the uh, <laughs> Eudora days, uh, where they got corrupted. Yeah. So, so I think a rebuild may... Well, uh, be careful. Rebuild is, is no. two very different things. Uh, okay. Rebuild for folders that are on an IMAP server wipes out your local copy and downloads a fresh copy from the IMAP server. But if you're talking about stuff you imported from Eudora that's stored on your local hard drive, then that's good just point. going to rebuild the index from that folder. It, 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 a, another good troubleshooting measure, just two very different things. That's all. That same menu item. So, you know, go figure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I'm with you. And may, uh, go ahead. Oh, we'll cover it. Well, you know, I did have, um, the mom ran into a little problem with mail oh, and, yeah. and actually helped her diagnose this. So she is on mail app. Okay. Once I helped her upgrade and all of a sudden, so she's still on and I got to figure how to get her off of this. There was nothing wrong with it, but she's on Yahoo mail. Oh, okay. And all of a sudden she's like, John, I can't pick up my email anymore. And I saw a number of people have this problem and here was the problem. So normally I had it set up to pick up mail. I think it's still pop. Yes. But it was doing SSL, which is on port 995. And for whatever reason, I suspect they may have had an expired or corrupt certificate. But all of a sudden, the thing is, mail did not report an error. Now, number one, I finally got it set up where I was doing iChat so I could do remote screen uh, control. Yeah. And when I looked in the uh, connection doctor, it was saying it actually showed that there was a little problem. And I'm like, oh, man, what's wrong here? And I actually had to temporarily revert it back to doing it on port 110 with no SSL. Okay. For whatever reason, it was not logging in. And I, and I think by default, SSL pop is 995. Does, does that sound right? That's right. You? Yeah. Port 995. And yep, that's right. Yeah. When I did that and said check mail, it, it came up and said the server, I think it was some useless error message, like the server returned null. I'm huh. Like, oh, thanks. Um, but mail itself didn't report an error. It just kind of sat there and the wheels spun and it didn't indicate there was an error. So the connection doctor uh, digs a level deeper and will show you uh, some of these problems that you may not see because it was a mystery to me. I'm like, well, you're clicking on get mail, right? And she's like, 
Of course I am. There's so. two things that can really help troubleshoot mail. They're both in the window menu in mail. Number mm-hmm. one is, is connection doctor, which is what John's talking about here. And then uh, also activity, which will show you what's mm-hmm. going on. It's very handy to see if it's empty. That means that there are no active uh, transfers happening back between you and whatever mail servers you use. But, uh, but it's really handy because sometimes you can see it's just hanging on one operation. You're like, okay, that, you know, I couldn't use mail without uh, the activity window is always open for me because otherwise it would drive me crazy. But I'm just, I'm, you know, obsessive like that. So that's normal. Shall we read Brent's question, John? Yeah, we shall. And uh, finally, where where you find this and then, then, then we'll move on here. But if you go to the mail preferences accounts, you click on the account and the advanced tab. In the lower portion of that, you will see the port. And for the account in question, it was port 995 and they had use SSL checked. If I unchecked that, it went back to 110. And then we were able to pick up the mail, no problem. So, Good. Yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for walking through the... With again, the I can only there. assume that their SSL cert was busted or their mail server was, was on, on the fritz. Yep. That makes, yeah, makes sense. All right, cool. All right, Brent. Ooh, this is a this is one that's near and dear to my heart because I think I know the answer. Oh, awesome. Brent writes, I have a brand new 15-inch MacBook Pro 2011 edition and have experienced two occasions where keyboard and trackpad become unresponsive. The first time was when I opened the lid and couldn't type my password. My only recourse was to hold down the power button and start again. No devices were connected. A few weeks later, I was connected to a 27-inch cinema display, Apple wireless keyboard, and Magic trackpad. After 10 minutes into my Safari session, the wireless device froze, and the keyboard and trackpad on the MacBook Pro froze as well. I closed the lid, hoping it would sleep and maybe fix itself. However, it wouldn't sleep. Any idea what's going on? All right, John, I had some uh, thoughts, but you know the answer, so go. I think we'll go back and forth. I, I think we have parts of the answer as, okay. as we typically do. Should I, should I start it with what I would, with, with, you, what know, you I, know, start with yours because okay. I think it's a good lead in to, to what I'm going to mention, which is a bit more specific. Okay. So it, it just a, you probably don't care folks, but the way we, we do this is sometimes we'll just, in, in Brent's case, I've already made a response to him via email that John's already seen. And, uh, and so that's what's, that's what John's referring to here. But uh, so uh, essentially my, my initial thoughts on this are, even though the keyboard and trackpad and even the wireless stuff, which is connected Bluetooth to your Mac, even though the, the system reports all of those things as in as internal devices or even though to you and I, they're internal devices, they're st- still treated by the system as USB devices. So it's as though you have a USB keyboard plugged in inside your Mac, same with the trackpad and same with the Bluetooth adapter. It all hangs off that same bus. So the first thing I'd look for is, are there any USB errors in the console appearing? Uh, you could even see them after a reboot. Just look for the timestamp as you're looking through all messages in the console and you can, you know, you'll find actually you'll even see, and it's sometimes fun to see, you can see what the system posts after you boot. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on. Uh, it would also be interesting to plug in a truly external USB keyboard, not just one that's connected via Bluetooth, but one that's connected USB, especially at a time like this. Um, and then you can go to system profiler and see if it's reporting that this stuff is, is actually there. So that, that, that was kind of my, uh, that was my thoughts on it. But, but in the end, I think it's a motherboard problem, but, uh, but this will help troubleshoot it and tell you. So, but, but that was, that was before I met Mr. Braun here. <laughs> and I'm with you. And, and so what you should see, or at least on my MacBook, because if you recall, I had an issue with both my trackpad and mm. the keyboard 
And you're going to see that at least on my MacBook, and I suspect on, on this one as well, even though it's a couple of years newer. If you go to the system profiler under hardware USB, you will see USB bus and you will see a device listed as Apple internal keyboard slash trackpad. Okay. So that's what I see on mine. But here, when I was having problems, Dave, and you know, it's still a mystery to, to both you and I, I think, when I sent mine in in that uh, mine was one of the machines that was suffering, I think, from this NVIDIA graphics chip thing. And, and I'm wondering if that was traumatizing the rest of the system. Now, there was another thing that happened to my system, which I'm not proud of and I won't talk about. Well, you can mention it later. But here was the error that I was seeing. So when I noticed situations where either my trackpad or my keyboard were unresponsive, the specific error that I saw in the console was Apple USB multi-touch driver, colon, colon. And there were a few different messages. One was a validate checksum where it, did, it, it didn't like the checksum that was coming back for the data. So maybe it was a loose connection. Another one, uh, it would say colon, colon message, KIO USB message port has been reset, which to me indicates that somebody was really upset and they reset the USB bus. And then another was also check status, receive status packet, device was reinitialized. So if you see messages in the console that say Apple USB multi-touch driver, huh. um, you may be running into this problem because like I mentioned, the device, as far as I can see, appears as a combination device on, on the USB bus. So, so look for those. So search for that in the console. And if you see any of those, would then, that explain either, either you have a flaky, yeah, flaky touchpad or keyboard or USB controller that's talking to them. Yeah. But you're forgetting. He says the same thing happens when his uh, USB or his Bluetooth, Apple keyboard and master connected, unless they use the same driver. I don't know. Well, they're all USB, so um, right. Okay, and I, I because yeah, I don't I don't do Bluetooth uh, devices, but you're correct, Dave, in that they're they're also USB devices. Right, is that the, the 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 Bluetooth controller is also connected to USB? But in your case, it was not software that solved the problem; it was a hardware replacement of something, probably the motherboard, right? Oh, it was absolutely. And what yeah, I would find okay. on occasion now, now he mentions this, but I would find on occasion what would happen is if I slept the machine and woke it up, then sometimes it would, it would repair the problem. And then I think sure. it forced this IO, IO USB reset uh, event, yeah, which probably cleared everything up for a bit. Power reset to the, to, to the hardware if you go sleep and, and back, right? Yeah, but because the devices are married to each other, at least in, in, the, in the MacBook, based on, on what I see in the system profiler. Mm. Yeah. All right. So, well, so, keep, so what's keep the us, answer? Keep us. Well, I think the answer is I think he's got a hardware problem. I mean, that that's that's so. my that's my gut. But it could be a software thing. And that's kind of why I want to see about, you know, putting a plugging a third keyboard in or or, or getting something out of those console logs. Because, uh, well, you know, my case that confirmed it because, yeah, when I when I did have these problems an external, but because, yeah, I have an external keyboard and mouse and, and those right. worked fine. So yeah. that eliminated the problem being. A general USB problem. It was definitely, as far as I could tell, it was a problem with the keyboard or the trackpad in right. the MacBook. Right. All right. Uh, you know, while we're talking about issues from bad hardware, John writes, not you, listener John, uh, mm -hmm. writes, just FYI, all of a sudden the processors on my 2007 MacBook Pro started maxing out uh, simultaneously, causing the fans to rev up and quickly drain the batteries. 
Activity Monitor didn't show what was using the processors, uh, although the total was 100% for each, the individual acti- activities did not add up to that. The dashboard widget iStat uh, indicated that a process with a random number was then using all the processing power. I booted from my Leopard disk, touched nothing, and the processors still maxed out. I took the laptop to the Apple store and they ran a hardware diagnostic on it. It showed that there was a problem with the processor. Two grand to fix. I cried, took my laptop home, and used it in short bursts only. A month later, I decided to take it back again in the hope that a second opinion would be different. I made the appointment and then decided to put the original Apple RAM back in, two gigs instead of the four gigs that I had purchased since. When I started it up, the processors were at a stable 2 to 4%. I still took it into the store, and the geniuses said that it was 100% normal. I don't know why the first test said that the memory was okay and the processor was dying, but I'm happier with this result. So very interesting that bad RAM uh, potentially, I mean, that's certainly it seems like bad RAM caused his, uh, his processor to run at full tilt. Uh, you know, anything's ba- anything's possible with bad hardware. You, you know, you don't know what it is that causes this stuff. But uh, but I, I just I had never seen that particular symptom before. So I thought it'd be good to share. Huh. The only thing that occurs to me now, that's a older machine that I believe, even though. I'm pretty sure that that was one of the machines where even if you put four gigs in, it would only see three right uh, no right i don't think you? so no that was that was no, the, you don't think so or that was older that okay. was the even earlier one yeah I'm, I'm pulling up the the model now but it's yeah the macbook pro three i think three comma one is is uh what that's called but uh, i'm pretty sure that that's now oh you you have that app that does this why why can't i um what, what's the what's that what's the app that you use to do this job? Oh no, I got it here. Mac Tracker. Mac Tracker. That's right. Uh, and I can research this if you want to. Uh, no, it's this to. is all the Core Two Duo stuff came out. Uh, yeah, two thousand seven. I, I think it's. I think this one will go further. I think it'll see four gigs. I don't think it'll see six, but I think it'll see four. No, but if you're right, okay. Now, right? Uh, uh, it, yeah, I'm seeing here maximum RAM six. Okay, I, I think it's similar to, yeah. If we're talking a 2007 Mac, then yeah, it appears that those yeah, would handle. It okay, all right. So it wasn't that. Not, not that that's a problem. It's just that it's a idiosyncrasy in some of the older Macs, and that you put in four and it sees three. Yeah. Right. Right. Or, or MacBook Pros. I'm, I'm also wondering if it was just either marginal RAM or RAM that wasn't quite right. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that's right. Well, no, right? quite I mean, right. Uh, when when I say not, well, not quite right. Is that you can, well, you can certainly put RAM that doesn't exactly meet the needs, uh, uh, you know, exactly meet the specification of the machine. Right. You know, especially I think, you know, you can put in a uh, slower RAM and it'll, you know, sometimes it'll, it'll, you know, try to accommodate it, but, or could it just been flaky RAM or maybe flaky it wasn't RAM. inserted right? I don't know. Maybe yeah. a, a reseed or put in the new RAM. That's true. Know. Yeah. Reseeding the RAM. Uh, and by that, we mean taking it out and putting it back in was a uh, long time fix to a lot of problems. I don't know why earlier motherboards would shake loose their RAM more, more frequently than we see today. But, but there were many occasions where I fixed a flaky computer just by reseeding the RAM. Maybe it was just, well, just in, in some of them. It's not, I think the older ones had this problem, but, Sometimes a lot of them, you really had to 
force the ram in there. You had to right. exert a pretty good amount of force, and some people may have not wanted to exert that amount of force, and maybe the ram wasn't you know entirely in there right. So sure. Our second sponsor for this show is Data Robotics, whose product you might know better by the name Drobo. Uh, the Drobo is it is plug-in peace of mind for your digital life, right? The the idea behind this is you buy this box, and the Drobo is this box that comes with some software, but the box can hold. Uh, the, the ones for consumers is the Drobo S and the Drobo S FS. So they can each hold five hard drives. Your system sees the entire box as one drive uh, in the, with the Drobo FS, you can actually create different uh, partitions, even with the Drobo S, but, but it, it, as far as the amount of storage that's there, it sees it all as one. And the cool part is you can put a couple of drives in to start. And then if you need more storage, just add more drives and magically your data is now on this, this drive that has more storage. You didn't have to copy. You didn't have to reformat. And if you fill up all the bays and you decide, Hey, you know, I've got uh, three, one terabyte drives and two uh, half, you know, terabyte drives in there. I want to, I need more space. So I'm going to take out one of the half terabyte drives and replace it with a terabyte drive or take them both out and replace it. You can do that. You got to do it one drive at a time, but, uh, but you can do that and it totally will, you know, shrink and expand and, and move everything all around. Uh, and of course, it's got fault tolerance, which means if one of those drives dies, it'll just tell you, hey, you got to swap out this drive. But you don't lose any data because of the way it spreads the stuff across all the drives. Uh, you can check all this out at Drobo.com or datarobotics.com. Uh the Drobo FS and S are the ones that I would uh, certainly look at. They're the, they're the ones built for people like you and me, the consumers that have more stuff that we want to store. You can store your time machines on there. In fact, there's even a way of setting it up so that uh, you limit the amount of your Drobo space that your backups take up, which is very, very cool. The Drobo S is uh, $799, and the Drobo FS, which is the network-only version, is $699. And uh, I use a Drobo FS here and I love it. Couldn't possibly think about living without it. I store all our movies out there. It's awesome. So uh, check it out at Drobo.com. All right, John. So, you know, let's do Mark and then let's do Andrew here. Okay. Um, uh, Mark had Mark had an interesting little thing with his contacts. He writes. And he solved his own problem, which I always like. Uh, I have an issue syncing with my iPhone 4 uh, with iTunes. I probably sync once a week. And during one of those syncs, iTunes deletes any new contacts I have added to the iPhone. I can't seem to find a consistency to it because I created a contact and immediately plugged the phone into sync and iTunes preserved the contact. But on a subsequent sync, uh, it deleted it. This is not the case of losing the entire list. Rather, select few that have been added during the last weeks, months or year. The random nature of this attack is frustrating me. I'm running 10.6.7 with iTunes 10.3.1 and iOS 4.3.3. The checkbox for replacing the contacts on the phone uh, with those on the computer is not checked in iTunes, but I have not tried the toggle it on and off voodoo. These contacts are only between the iPhone and the Mac, and I do not have a mobile me account or other online repository. So it's all going USB. All right. So, you know, when I heard about this, my initial thought was something's corrupt. Uh, the, 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 and the changes just aren't being reflected. <laughs> so the, 
you know, that checkbox he mentioned is a good first step. I don't know if it would have solved it for him. Uh, we'll talk about the solution for him, but, but that checkbox, you want to make sure your computer has the, uh, has the copy, right? Has the, the master copy of all of your contacts and then check that box. And it's going to wipe out what's on your iPhone and dump the contacts from your computer there. Sometimes the, the, the mechanism that's used to sync uh, can get corrupt because there's a, a log file that needs to sit somewhere that says, okay, this contact is in sync and this one's not. And, uh, and perhaps by overwriting the contacts on your iPhone, it would also reset that sync log file and, and maybe make life a little easier. So that was, that was what I thought Mark kept digging though, uh, before we had gotten back to him and he says that what he did was he followed uh, one of these Apple knowledge base articles. And the name of the article is advanced troubleshooting for contact and calendar syncing. Uh, and we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, and what this walks you through is completely deleting your entire contacts database from your computer. And what you do is you export it out to a file you then wipe out the data and uh, and then re-import from the backup that you made in in step number one, and uh, and that rebuilds everything similar to you know the the syncing back and forth. It's wiping out all those sync files and all the indexes and all that stuff. So that actually did work for him, and uh, so we wanted hmm. to we wanted to share all that because context can be a weird thing, but that yeah you know, that's the way to do it is to export it out uh, and then re-import it back in so that you're rebuilding the way that file is, is set up. And that's, you know, in a lot of cases, especially with a database type thing uh, that can, that can help do it. You ever been through anything like this, John? I think I've had to on occasion when I'm doing mobile me syncing had to, yeah, throw it on the gauntlet at some point and say, all right, wipe out whatever's on this thing and reset it to what's in that thing. But I never did an export. No, I bet. But I would sometimes say, okay, whatever's in the cloud, wipe out what's on the machine or whatever's on the. And I think more often than not, I would say whatever's on the machine, I'm going to trust that and take that and wipe out what's in the cloud. So, so I've done something similar where, yeah, sometimes things just get stuck. And I think that's what I've seen sometimes is, yeah, I would update something on an iDevice and it would never propagate to everybody else. And I'm like, oh, great. And I think that's just sync services, right? Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, it's just it's a funky thing, you know, syncing data and maintaining integrity uh, of the data in two places and making sure that you're what? actually doing conflict resolution. And it's all not that. that hard. Yeah, but it's. Okay. Yeah, right. It's not that hard. OK, <laughs> it, it's hard. It, it's easy to do incorrectly because, no, I mean, you got to lock. I mean, you, you got to make really sure hard. that yeah. you got to make sure that. Yeah, well, not only are the things there, the, you know, I got to reflect that even back in the days of the Palm, Dave, I would still remember and I got a special utility. It befuddled me that I would that the device always seemed to have multiple occurrences of the same event. Oh, yeah. Like, to, look, you had to if run it the has D-duper. the same time. Yeah, I think I had one called Undupe. But yeah. it's like, you know, if the if the event has the same name and the same time and the same date. Why are you putting it on the device multiple times? Can't you at least look at that and say, you know, if all these things are the same, you probably don't want to have it five times. Right. And they made utilities specifically that would wipe out the four other copies. So, 
So uh, that part of it, that, though I can understand, I mean, you've got to lock databases, you've got to make sure that nobody's reading and writing at the same time and all that stuff. It, it can get very complex. Yeah, it's, it's a harder problem than you'd think. Yeah. And so con- I'll, I'll take that back. As, as, a, uh, as, as somebody said to me, I think it was, was uh, Greg from, from Smile Software. Uh, we were in line somewhere and I said, oh, well, you can use iCloud and you can, you know, do something. I don't know. It was some app we were talking about. I don't know if it was one of his current apps or, you know, we were just dreaming up some idea. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, iCloud, that's free. But conflict resolution is never free. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good call. That's why you're a programmer and uh, and we do the podcast and it all works really well together. So, um, OK, uh, so, Andrew, and, and this could be an interesting one, but uh, but we'll make sure we keep it relevant for as many of, of us as possible. But Andrew's running into some some strange issues. He says. I launched iPhoto 11 uh, and it asked me to run software update because there is a new update out. I do so. And when software update runs, there is no update there. After doing this a few times, I decided to just grab the update from apple.com. It turns out there are two updates I need. Uh, I was on 912 and I need 913 and 915. I figure that I'll get 913 first and then put 915 on top of that. The problem happens here. After I download 913, I try to double I try to update by double clicking the PKG file and an error pops up saying iPhoto 9.1 or later is required to install this update. Uh, This is odd because I already have iPhoto 9.1.2. The same thing also happens with iMovie. I have version 902 and when trying to update to 904, I get the error message saying iMovie 9 or later is required to install this update. Similarly, I have yet another problem. I have installed the Thunderbolt firmware update uh, about five times, both from software update and from Apple.com. I've restarted every other install and it will still not work. I have no clue what's going on and I hope I provided you with enough information. Well, we don't know, but uh, but John, go go ahead and let's let's see what. uh, Yeah. Well, here was the first thing I suggested. So so I think I'm on the right track here, Dave. And if I'm not, please let me know. Sure. As far as I know, anytime you run, you install software, do a software update, uh, a record of this gets stored in a receipts folder. And the main one, at least on the two machines that I have, and and, uh, we, we asked to get information back on what was in this, but it's in slash library slash receipts. Right. And if you look in that folder, you're going to see just a, a wealth of packages. On my Mini, I see about 120 of them. On my MacBook Pro, which I've migrated multiple times, I see over 400 of them. So I'm going to say that that is how the system knows what is installed. I, I agree at with least you. When you. At least when you use, use software update. Now, I think if you run the application itself, I think it may be doing a direct phone home. Sure. Yeah, Plenty number one right. is we got two different things here is that if, if you go with an iPhoto or any of the iApps and you say check for update, I think it's do, I, I think it may be circumventing that. Huh. But software update, as far as I know, is looking in the receipts folder to kind of figure out what you already have installed and what needs to be installed now. Yeah, I, I when, agree. I think I think for him, you know, certainly with these first two where both iMovie and iPhoto uh, are reporting is not being there, even though they're there. Uh, I would the first thing I would look for in this folder is an iWork 11 receipt, uh, because 
those two apps come with uh oh no they're not 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 sorry not iWork um uh uh iLife 11 is uh is what you're looking for because that's iMovie that's iPhoto and my guess is that receipt got wiped out and the the only way I know of to put it back there if you assuming you don't have a backup is to reinstall iLife 11 from your main DVD so, but that's you know, to me, that's before his Thunderbolt problem is coming in, which might be related. Uh, to me, that's a separate problem. Well, that uses well, package receipts, too, to let you know whether okay, or not. You're, you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Y- you know but what I mean? We, but when we when uh, so we've we've bounced a couple of emails back and forth. But when when I asked Andrew, you know, what do you see in slash library slash receipts? Yeah. He said. I see a DB folder. I see a BOM, which I think is bill of materials folder and maybe one or two other things. And to me, Oh yeah, that, that, that's, that's wrong. I wonder if he was doing he, some house cleaning and went through or and something did some house. cleaning. Right. We're not going to accuse him. Of, oh, I'll, I'll accuse him. It's cool. We we still love you, Andrew, but I think he might've gone in there. <laughs> of uh, recklessly deleting yeah, all these they, packages. Because files. I mean, they, well, they take up space, but I think they serve a purpose is they help the system keep track of what's happening. Yeah. And I say, potentially, if, if you whack those, your system's going to get very confused. Not, as not to potentially. What. No potential about it. It's definitely going to get confused. <laughs> I've seen people do this. And, okay. and, and I've seen it happen where they're like, oh, yeah, I went in there and I deleted all that stuff. I didn't need those installers anymore. It's like, oh, those aren't because, well, to be fair, if you go, if you find yourself in that folder and listen, if you don't know what you're doing, uh, go ahead and muck around. We encourage that. But before you delete, well, no, because that's how we learn too. But don't delete anything that you don't know what it is. And that's where Google is your friend. But if you go in there and you find yourself in there, you might think you know what this is because you might see something like, you know, at the top of mine is airportutility.pkg. And what is the kind, the finder lists it as installer package. So I might think, well, shoot, I don't need airport utility installer. I already got it installed. I'm throwing that away. I can't believe it's been saving all these things I've downloaded. Right. That's the interpretation. And and I've seen people do it. And my guess is Andrew did the same thing or or some, uh, you know, well-intentioned uh, friend. But uh, but I, I think it's a mistake. Sue, who may not be a friend. But. Well, yeah, <laughs> former friend. Right? So now if you have. Uh, let's hope that there's a time machine backup of this. Now, of course, mm-hmm. getting to that, you know, well, no, you, you can, so that gets backed up along with everything else. So if you have a time machine backup, then definitely restore what was in library receipts. And I suspect that your software updates will be happy. Now, the other thing, you know, I'd be curious and, and we hadn't asked yet, but, but the nice thing, now, one thing I like about software update, Dave, is that, uh, and I, I'm not sure how new this is. I think it's fairly new, but um, if you go to the software update system preference, installed software, you will also get a list, which I think mirrors a lot of what is in, not everything that's in the uh, receipts folder, but a lot of, and I think it draws on one of the plist files in there, but it's going to show you a lot of recent installs. Right. So I'd look in there too. Now, if you don't see anything in there, then I could say it's almost positive that someone or something did some house cleaning in your receipts folder that, uh, that you may not have wanted. Now, the other thing we asked now, of course there is another receipts folder, but I'd say the, you know, the, the, the root level one, the slash library slash receipts is where most of your stuff should be. I think the user level stuff, like most things will be in, 
you know, and I think even now uh, when I look on my system, so if I look in my home directory, um, you know, library receipts, I see a couple of things there, but not a lot. I see yeah, one or two it, things. You might not see anything. Actually, I see two things. I see comadobe.acrobat and comadobe.reader. Adobe's so the I think only those, one. But, they, but the, remember, those receipts aren't going to be managed by software update. Those are Adobe's own thing. It's, it's an installer package receipt, but it's not software yeah, updates that. business. Wow, they're actually... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> you know, software <laughs> updates only going to pull things regardless of, of whether someone puts a package receipt out there in the receipts folder or not. Software update is only going to pay attention to Mac software. At least, at least now, that's how it works. Uh, you know, while we're on the subject, we told you to go to your home library folder. Uh, and that's great because, uh, on, on currently released Mac operating systems, you do, you go to your home folder and there's the library folder right there. Once you upgrade to lion, that was no longer an option. The library folder does not show up. It's still there, but it is hidden in your user ah. folder. So, so here's a couple of tricks for you. Uh, number that, one to, to get there. To get there, you go to go and then uh, go to folder, right? Mm -hmm. And and then you can choose, you know, you type in the folder. Uh, I put tilde slash library, and I think that would get me there. Yeah, tilde slash library gets me there. Once you're there, uh, what I did, because I'm always wanting to dig in my library folder, is uh, <laughs> I went to the, it, at the top of the screen, this is hard to describe, but at the top of the screen or at the top of the window, you'll see the name of the folder, which is library, and then an icon for the folder. Grab that icon and drag it over to the left into places uh, on your, uh, on the left sidebar of your finder. So now you have a library place and you can get there really easily. So that's, uh, that's my, oh. my tip for you uh, tinkerers heading into Lion. Because otherwise, oh, look at you. I know it was driving me crazy, John. I had to come up with a solution. Well, it didn't drive me crazy, but then I, uh, I, I took a different approach. How'd you do as, it? As I'm, as I do, because I'm that's not you, we, Dave. That's how we roll, right? <laughs> I certainly hope so. Well, no, I, I just kicked it old school and I went to the terminal. And if you go to the terminal, right, you'll, you'll see that. Well, that, when you presented me the question, I'm like, huh? So I'm like, yeah, let me go to the terminal and see if it's there. Now, there is a weird symbol. Yeah. So, so they, they set a flag, I think, that makes it hidden. It, by the because finder. I noticed this. Yeah, because I yeah. noticed when I went into the terminal, and I think I did an LS-A, and I'm like, oh, look, library's there. Well, yeah. What's the problem? Right. Oh, yeah, you didn't, know, you didn't know to what it was I was alluding all those weeks back when I said... But no, I did LS-AL, I think it was. And that yeah. showed me. And I saw, oh, library's sure. there. Oh, but look, there's a weird little... Uh, and I think one of the flags was set weird. One of the permissions or there was uh, something else there that, that caught my eye. But Maybe, um, yeah. But you know, I think... Yeah. Well, it may make our job a bit more difficult. Well, you described how you can see it now. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's probably a good thing, Dave. Kind, kind of like it, and I noticed the you know the most recent version of Windows do this as well. Well, I think that the Mac does as well. It's uh, no, but Windows definitely does this. When you try to go to places where they think you shouldn't go, it'll be like, do you really want to see what's in this folder? Mm. I don't think you do, and I think well, I think the reasoning is valid. Is that there's probably not a lot there. Well, of course, if you're listening to this, then. You probably want to. Look yeah, I was going to say, it's not bad to go in there. Just, you know, just, I mean, it's not bad to yeah. look. Just don't. Uh, yeah, you, you can <laughs> make sure you can look at what's on the menu. Right. Just don't order anything or right. don't delete don't anything. Delete anything. <laughs> yeah. Move, <laughs> don't anything. move anything around. 
But, you know, yeah. here's the thing. Google's your friend. And if Google, befri- you know, kind of turns on you, ask John and I, right? Because we're happy to uh, to explain what we see. And so, you know, we, we most of the questions that come in, and this is totally fine, are, are questions where someone, you know, clearly has a specific problem and, and what's this. But but what we're also happy to answer, and, and I'm sure we have in the past, is, you know, somebody that says, hey, I was digging around in my, uh, you know, library folder and I came across a folder of this. What are these? What is this? And that's, you know, a great thing to talk about. In fact, I'll pick those questions for the show faster than I will the specifics, you know, because we try to find stuff that where we can at least apply the solution to more people like we've like we've done here with uh, with Andrew's question. So. So it's brought up a little a little controversy I've seen in some developer circles is I've seen some people say, you know, uh, I think some developers are thinking, you know what, stuff that I used to put in the library folder, I should put somewhere else. So maybe the user can get to it. And I think there's mixed feelings in the developer community as to where certain items should reside. And I think certain system level things should reside in library and should probably not be user accessible. Right. At least easily user accessible. Circus Ponies is sponsor number three for this show. John, Circus Ponies makes notebook for both the Mac and the iPad. And this is cool. If you're working on a project or if you've got uh, a class you're taking or or even you could take. uh, I know there's actually several of you out there that use notebook uh, as your uh, note application as you're going through listening to Mac Geek Cab. Uh, So notebook creates this sort of white lined notebook familiar paradigm and inside of that you can type or you can pull media files in and and as i said some people actually take the audio file from mac geekab and place it into a notebook they'll build a notebook for you know for this show they'll build mac geekab 342 they'll take the file and then they'll start playing it and inside the notebook not only do they have the file but now they've got all their notes that they can uh they can type if there's something that uh, that caught your attention or you can you know treating the show kind of like a seminar that they get every week and uh, and and you're happy to do that. Uh, but you can also pull in links from Web pages or PDFs or whatever you want and build this all in. And now you've got a Mac Geek Cab 342 notebook that you can search or or you could even put make a Mac Geek Cab notebook and just create different uh, chapters. Essentially, you can put little dividers in, if you will. And uh, and so you could have one for each show and then search the whole thing. In fact, you probably have a better database of uh, what we've done than uh, than we do. But uh, but that's what notebooks all about. And and you can move files between the iPad and the Mac. There's apps for both. It's uh, it's pretty darn cool what uh, what they've done over there at Circus Pony. So I encourage you to check it out and check it out for free. You can because uh, they offer a free trial of the Mac version. Once you're hooked, it's forty nine ninety five. And then the iPad version is twenty nine ninety nine from, uh, you know, from the, the iTunes app store, because that's the only way to uh, to get that stuff. But your first stop is circusponies.com. So check it out. And, uh, and we'll take it from there. All right. We've got, uh, we've got some time left here and, and we might, we might push a little bit on time today, John, since we, uh, since we're going to take next week off. But, uh, but in the last show, we talked about a guy who had accidentally had his gift card in iTunes build before his company card was billed and it was going to create this big fiasco. And Tom has a brilliant solution for him. Hey, John. Hey, Dave. This is Tom from Boston. Uh, I was listening to uh, a recent episode where the uh, guy purchased, um, I think it was Final Cut, with his corporate card, and he uh, lost his $70 gift card. 
So uh, maybe he should just purchase another $70 gift card with that corporate card. Brilliant. And then uh, I guess it all would be as well. Thanks. Oh, thank you, Tom. That's good stuff. Uh, all right. So we've talked about in-store repairs lately, and we've gotten some comments on that. Uh, yes. I'm going to play Andrews, and, uh, which, is, which is interesting. And then we've got, uh, we've got a little something from uh, a genius friend. Hello, John, Dave, and Pilot Pete. It's Andrew Kaiser from beautiful Colchester, Connecticut. And uh, this is something you may be interested in. I know you guys were talking about iPods and things being replaced, uh, accidental damage um, under warranty. So that I understand. This is very interesting. I brought in my late 2006 white MacBook to the Apple store at West Farms Mall here in Connecticut over Fourth of July weekend. And it had a broken colon semicolon key. One key was not working on the keyboard. And they replaced the keyboard in my late 2006 white MacBook for free. I'm looking at the receipt right in front of me. $101.14 part, $39 a labor, $140.14 is the total. And they covered it under just accidental damage or something like that. Completely covered, obviously completely out of warranty. And uh, that leaves me a very happy, happy Apple guy. Now, here's the interesting part. I own an iMac, a Mac Mini, this late 2006 white MacBook, and an iPhone. The people at the store did say to me, not explicitly, but they kind of hinted at it, that the coverage of this type of thing does have something to do with how many Apple products you own and kind of how long you've been a loyal Apple customer. Just thought you'd find that guys inter- just thought you guys would find that interesting. It's Andrew from Colchester, Connecticut. This is where you cut me off. And off you are cut. Thanks, Andrew. That's uh that's you know, I, I've said this before and uh, and I respect this. Apple, they are customer service masters. They they really, you know, they they get that there's a relationship between you and the mothership there, right? They they understand that people have this and and they want to reflect it in their one-on-one dealings with you. And, and, and that, that's great. That's uh that's good to know. I'm glad that, that there is at least some consideration of that. I know um, when I've called not Apple care, but Apple customer relations, when I've had to escalate something and you and I have each been through, through that, you know, where they replace a machine for one reason or another, but, but those people look at your purchase history when making an evaluation as to whether or not they should just, you know, comp you essentially a brand new computer. Uh, what's what's fascinating is how far how far down that goes um, into the stores. In fact, we have I said we have a comment from a genius here. Oh, I want to mention Dave that may help explain uh, why or how that all works, or one of the reasons. But go, but go ahead, John. Before we read that, well, comment. no. The thing I want to mention though is that you have to provide. Let me back up. Here's a website: supportprofile.apple.com. This is something that I think previously had only been available mostly to Apple people. But my advice is when you get any Apple product, and I think both you and I, Dave, have been good about this. So when you get your Apple product, once you're happy with it and you, you, you know, you know, you're going to keep it. Absolutely register it. Excuse me. Sorry. Because if you register it, it will then show up in supportprofile.apple.com. That is now your one-stop shopping to see all of the Apple products that you have registered, their Apple Care, all sorts of things. 
But as far as I know, this is how Apple knows. So yeah, you have to register the, the product. Thing. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it automatically happens, I think, if you purchase it through Apple or through the uh, online store That's or you right. provide the information after you purchase it. So this is how Apple knows. And all I know is and I was having a field day when they set up this site. Finally, is I was punching in serial numbers right and left of the things that I had not registered. And yeah, the more Apple sees there, I think, yeah, you know, yeah. It makes sense. If you're a good customer, they treat you well. So, but you want to register your products as soon as you get them. Uh, again, assuming that you, you are going to keep them. And right. that's, this is how Apple knows or how you can see what Apple knows about you. All right. So uh, from, from a, a genius here, just wanted to follow up about the misconception that geniuses do not do repairs in house. We absolutely do repairs in house. All desktops uh, must be done in house. We cannot ship them out. Uh, and let me tell you, replacing the rear housing on a uh, 24 inch mid 2007 iMac is not fun. You basically have to rebuild the iMac from scratch. Uh, as far as the, the store that this genius is at, uh, they only ship out portables to the depot facility uh, under a few situations. Number one, if the unit is out of warranty and the actual cost to replace the individual components is more than one hundred and fifty bucks. Any out of warranty repair done in store, both portables and desktops needs to be charged per part plus 39 bucks labor, which let me tell you, folks, that's the cheapest labor you're going to find anywhere for computers. Wow. Stuff. Yeah. Which is which is consistent with Andrew's comment, right? It was 39 bucks labor. Uh, if a motherboard needs to be replaced, it's cheaper for the customer to have it sent to the depot as a flat rate repair for all components than it is to have us do the in-store repair for, uh, you know, a $450, $500 part. Uh the other situation or another situation where it goes out is at some accidental repairs in which the portable needs a complete rebuild, like massive liquid damage or three or more major components needing uh, replacement. Uh, and then uh, if the part is uh, unavailable, you know, if they can't order the part to the store, then they have to ship it in. And uh, and then they also do it based on queue size. So I guess depending on how many geniuses they have versus, uh, you know, uh, the, the load of computers backlogged and that sort of thing. Uh, most, this is interesting. And again, this is consistent with the comments we've been getting. Most portable repairs are quick and easy and fall under the, uh, category that allows us to do these as same day or while you wait repairs. Uh, these are repairs that do not require extensive post repair diagnostics and include things like optical drives, fans, hard drives, displays, trackpads, uh, all that stuff. Um, so uh, let's see, I'm, I'm looking, I'm scrolling through here because there's quite a bit. Um, all quality program repairs, such as the uh, early MacBook Pro stuff with the NVIDIA failure and the MacBook Airs with the cracked mm -hmm. hinge, need to be done in store and cannot be sent to the depot. Uh, they actually have metrics that they're supposed to meet in terms of repair rates and uh, and that sort of thing. So uh, let's see, I think I think that uh, I think that's about it. There's there was a big long email here with with some kind of anecdotal stuff, but, uh, and some commentary, but, but that, yeah, very interesting that, that they are encouraged to do in a, in a nutshell, if I had to boil this down, I'm sure I'll get it wrong is, uh, that it sounds like they're doing single part warranty and relatively inexpensive non-warranty repairs, uh, in the store. And then, uh, and that's a lot, you know, and for 39 bucks labor, man, I, you know, I wonder what, I wonder how this competes with, you know, the like the, the little Apple specialists that are out there, because those people, you know, I, I wonder how that how that works. 
you know, especially for out of warranty stuff, they can't charge 39 bucks labor and, and, uh, and afford to stay in business. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for, for sending that in uh, another comment. So I had okay, underestimated. Well, I had underestimated the powers of the geniuses. Oh, you know, there is one thing actually there, there was, there was one thing that I wanted to mention. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, some people don't realize geniuses are corporate Apple technicians. We may work uh, out of a retail store, but we are considered corporate employees and get paid out of the Apple care budget, not the retail budget. We also have to recertify each year and pass hardware and OS exams. So if anything, please let the audience know that we are not just customer service reps who swap out iPhones and simply send things out to be repaired. We are generally the same people who will be repairing your Mac uh, in the store and have the same training as the people that would be repairing it in the uh, the depot. We take pride in being true technicians. And uh, and so, yes, I'm, wow, I'm glad I didn't miss that part because that that was sort of a big thing to me that. You know, they, they've essentially taken the technicians that they would normally have pumped into the depots and now spread them out around the country in the stores. So uh, so you can you know you can get a motherboard replaced on your laptop, uh, you know, in some cases while you wait. That's pretty darn cool. Uh, I like that. You so. know, I'm I'm having a problem here, Dave. I, I'd like you to try to look up this thing because I was going to reference. Because as far as I know, Apple does have training and certification programs. But they when do. I tried to go to the site. I got an error, and I'm I'm hoping it's just Optimum Online, okay, uh, acting up here. But training.apple.com, which is what Google says. When I try to look it up, I get no, a, that doesn't uh, exist. Well, Google says it does. Um, I'm sure it used to. Yeah. Okay. No, it well, I'll, have, exist. I'll have to find. I'll have to find the new uh, URL because I know that they have. Yeah, for I, I think anybody who wants to take the uh, training and certification can do so. Right. I think that's true. Yeah. And then I think they have a directory of people that are, you know, locally. I think you can even search. Right. But yeah, no, it's weird that Google comes up with this. And uh, when I click on any of the links, the uh, the or, or somebody didn't pay their uh, DNS bill. <laughs> I think, I can't I think, imagine Apple Apple, I think Apple.com still works. <laughs> uh, OK, uh, a, a quick reply to number 341 came from Dominic and uh, Dominic says in the last episode one of your listeners found a solution for unlocking his Mac screen after locking it in cool stuff found the swipe solution for unlocking is interesting but getting into a lock state quickly is something I expect of the system without needing a separate app John of course suggested using the system preference setting to require password immediately after sleep or screensaver begins in my dark windows days, I used to use the control alt delete three fingered salute all the time to get my machine into a locked or screen saver screen saver state quickly. As your listener commented, this was something that wasn't apparent with OS 10. I found two methods built into the lock screen, similar to the old windows methods under keychain access preferences. There is a tick box to show status in menu bar. This displays a padlock on the menu bar that when clicked provides an option for lock screen, which is very interesting. I don't know how you found that, Dominic. That's a good, good catch. Uh, hmm. This immediately puts the system into lock, requiring a password to use again. This is a good solution, but there's one that's better. In some searching, I also found a similar three fingered salute to lock the screen. 
Option, shift, and eject on a Mac keyboard is a quick and easy way to lock the system when I have to step away. Cool. Thanks, Dominic. That's awesome. That didn't work for me. I'm not going to try it on this machine right now. So. Oh, no, no, no. But I'm, I'm trying it <laughs> right. well on my spare machine. Now, what I did find, and I think you know about this one as well, but if you do control eject, yeah, it will get bring the up the dialogue saying restart, sleep, cancel, and shut down. And if you hit S, it will sleep your system. What if you do control? What if you do control shift eject? I I wonder if he mistook option for control in his uh, in his description. Ah. Yes, I did it on my MacBook and it worked. Okay, control shift eject immediately brings up a screen that says to access your computer, enter password, blah, blah, blah. Awesome. I'm so glad I didn't try that here. (laughs) Well, you know, being that I'm recording the show. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you could have gotten back. The uh, show would have still recorded, right? I th- imagine. I don't want to know the answer to that question that bad. Because cause if we <laughs> no. talk about it enough, then I'm going to go ahead and do it. And that's not good. Uh, so, <laughs> Gerald, save me, please. Uh, he asked two questions. What do you recommend for a screen protector for an iPad? And what password saver and generator program do you recommend? Okay. Uh, two very interesting questions. So, uh, as far as the iPad, this is it's a very timely, though. Just on Saturday night, I uh, I got sick and tired of not being able to read my iPad with, when when the sun was anywhere nearby. So and I had a spec anti glare screen, uh, hmm. and so I put one of these on my iPad too. Now, listen, I have become the master at putting screens on things. I'd never done one on an iPad before, but I've done them on iPhones and iPod touches countless times. So the trick to putting these screens on is, is two things. Number one, well, three things you have to be like totally OCD because otherwise you're going to hate it. Uh, but that's just the kind of an underlying foundation. If you're not OCD, just get that way for about 10 minutes and then you're good. Uh, so then step one is polish that screen with a microfiber cloth like crazy. You want to get all the smudges and everything off of it. Uh, so do that. And then uh, to put these to put these shields on, and I've put tons of different kinds of shields on, uh, and uh, it, and and this this technique has worked. Get if you didn't get a spray bottle with it, make up a little spray bottle uh, that has mostly water and just a little bit of soap, not very much, just just some to keep to make the water you know kind of feel mm. a little bit slick in your hands. And, and what they tell you to do when they, when they give you these spray bottles is they say, take the, the shield, you know, peel the protective coating off the sticky layer of the shield, if you will, and then spray that layer, spray that side of the shield with, with this, this liquid. And, and then that lets you kind of move it around on the surface of the device while you're getting it all ready. And that's right. You have to do that. Even with the ones that say not to, and the spec one said, didn't say anything about water. It said, just peel it off and gently push it down. That'll drive you crazy. I think. Uh, so, you know, take the whole protective shield off and and spray it down with water. But before you do that, spray your hands with this stuff because you're going to mm. be touching this shield with your hands. And if your hands are dry, you're going to smudge and get fingerprints and, and, and dust and all kinds of stuff all over it. So spray your hands with this stuff first, then take the thing off, then spray the, the shield and then, then you just put it out. And I use a little credit card or ha- a half credit card or whatever. Don't use the sharp, a sharp edge of it. If you're going to break one in half to do it, you got to use a you know pretty rounded edge and you just go from the middle out and just scrape the, uh, the, um, the bubbles and the excess liquid out. Uh, I usually keep a towel in one hand so that I can kind of mop around the edge as the water squeegees out. And then, uh, 
you know, the, the big thing you're looking for is if there's any ripples in it, you don't have to worry about bubbles as much as you do ripples. And then, um, okay. uh, and specks of dust, because those will never leave. If you find a speck of dust, just peel, just peel up the screen. I did it on my iPad probably three times before I, before I finally got all the dust out. Cause it's a big piece of plastic that you're putting down on there, but, uh, and it works fine. And, uh, and so you just take it out, you know, I spritzed it a little bit. I, I nicked the dust out with the edge of the credit card. So I wasn't touching the thing with my, with my, you know, greasy fingers or whatever. And, and then it's fine. And it looks perfectly new, even though it's been on three times. But, uh, but this anti-glare thing's awesome. I'm looking forward to using it at the lake next week to see, you know, just how it is, but I can actually read it. It looks a lot like my Kindle screen, um, little reduction in resolution, um, or perceived resolution, but, uh, but or well, brightness, worth it. maybe yeah, brightness, perhaps. I don't know. It's a little fuzzy. It makes it, you know, because it's got this anti glare well, thing going on. So it's a matte finish, right? As opposed well, to it's a glossy. the same complaint with with the MacBooks, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. The MacBook Pro. Right. The same thing. Okay. Yeah. That's so a, I like that's the liquid tip because my big fear, oh. although I don't think I've ever used any sort of coating, yeah. would be to get an air bubble. Oh, or the dust. The same thing. Bubble. And I guess the liquid, I guess the liquid makes that less of a problem. Yeah. If you, if you're careful, you know, you got to kind of put the thing on and roll it onto the device. And if you do that, you, you're good chance. You're not going to wind up with any massive air bubbles. You will have air bubbles, but two things happen. One, when you do your squeegeeing, you can actually, you know, squeegee those air bubbles out to the edge and kind of coax them out. And then it works fine. But the other thing is, as long as they're small, give it 24 hours and those air bubbles are gone. Don't, you know, don't get yourself on Amazon 20 minutes after you started this process, complaining and griping about how this thing sucks and all that stuff. I read all these reviews and it's like, you know, and then the people come back the next day and repost. They're like, oh yeah, actually uh, I went to sleep and I woke up and, and not only was I calmer, but the screen was bubble free. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's how. So do you think Apple is ever going to offer a uh, matte screen on an iDevice or just leave it to the aftermarket? Based on what I've seen, well, based on what I've seen here, I would love for them to. I really, really like the the feel of the screen now. I like the look of it now that I'm used to Mm -hmm. it. But uh, and it's not as smudge, you know, it's not as much of a smudge magnet. But no, I don't think Apple ever will. I think that you know they just do what they want to do, and that's fine for them. Password manager. Uh, I like one password, except I don't like the integration uh, with Safari five one because they've had to change to an extension and it's kind of sucky now, but I'm hoping that that's just a interim phase uh, to answer Gerald's other question. I'm hoping that they're going to develop through that and huh. actually make it good because that's how they work over there at agile bits. But yeah, one password, 39 bucks. Good to go. Oh, the spec anti glare things, seven bucks for a two pack from Amazon as opposed huh. to like 30 bucks from spec directly. So, you know, Pick and choose. I'm pretty hyper today, John. Do you have a lot of tea? Uh, yeah, but it's just mint tea. There's no caffeine in this. Really? Oh, I don't I, do caffeine, I guess you, man. You, you, you know, I guess you're just excited about. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're already kind of yeah unmanageable. So right, you know, the caffeine <laughs> makes me. Yeah, the, the, my family tells me I have to go like move somewhere. I've been totally <laughs> forbidden. <laughs> You'll all appreciate this. <laughs> I have been totally forbidden from having caffeine before uh, heading to any of my son's uh, sporting events because, you know, we'd get up like really early in the morning for hockey. You'd be up at like mm. five o'clock. And so I'd have some tea with caffeine or whatever in it. And then I get to the game and I'd be just this total maniac screaming and yelling all the time. And, and so the family said, like, look, you, you're not allowed. It's just it's not going to happen. So. So now I don't. That's how it works. Yeah, And password manager. Yeah, which which one do you use? use? I just use the same password everywhere. Oh, good. Well, that's great. 
Yeah, no, that's, I'm, that's I'm smart, kidding. John. That's, that's no, I good. <laughs> no, I should take the one password leap. I, 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 well, here's the thing. Wait, if you aren't, if you're already cooked on it, then you're you're going to be okay with Lion, but you're going to be or Safari five one if you download that beta. But it's it's it, there. There's a change. Uh, if you use it with Firefox, it's fine. Um, but uh, but they've got to get the Safari plugin better because it it's kind of quirky okay. now. Yeah, and that that's my fear. It used to be that so, every now and then I'll so see well. somebody saying, "Oh my gosh, one password doesn't work with X," and I'm like, yeah. "Oh no." Yeah, there's some sites it doesn't work with. I mean, that's just, you know. But I think basically what it's doing, it's generating a very nice, strong password in the background. Well, okay. And so managing that for you. Or is, is, is that what it's doing essentially? Or it no? can. You can have it generate okay. strong passwords for you. Uh, and, and, and you don't know what they are. They could be something totally you, crazy, totally random, just, just insane. And, and you don't have to remember it. And right? you don't have to remember it. Although there, Good. there are uh, provisions in there to create pronounceable passwords or this, that, or the other, if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to do that. But the, uh, the real trick is just the way that it manages all your passwords for you. And uh, even if, even passwords, as you type them into websites, it says you want to remember this and you get a multiple passwords huh. for the same site and it manages, you know, when it comes up and you, you know, you have to change your password because your bank told you it'll actually pester you and say, Hey, we noticed you just changed your password. You want us to go ahead and store that? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So it's, it's good stuff. You know, well, I, I should. I think I know a few people that work for them. Maybe I could um, <coughs> evaluate it. There you go. For them. Uh, you know, I pay for this one, man, because I because I rely on it. You know, my rule. If I rely on something, I pay for it. Cause well, I do, too. I want to support but I, it. But I want to evaluate something first before I. Yeah, you can. You can evaluate it for free. Oh, but can't you make me that? that no, I don't know. I think I think there's a free <laughs> trial of one password. I think so. And it's like 39 bucks. I mean, it's well, I know, I know at least one of our clan works for them. So I'll, uh, I'll chat with him. Mm-hmm. Our, oh, they, our I'm sure if there. you want a license, I'll be happy to give you one. I might even have one for you. Cause I think they gave me one that I didn't need to use. Cause I bought it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it sounds like the right thing to do. But, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm just frightened of, it took me a while to that one site or that one place that no, but it sounds like it, 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 it is part of your workflow. You don't totally. even think of it, which is, the way it should be. It sounds like keychain done properly. Agreed. Keychain is kind of yeah, like that, right? Right. You know, and you it keep everything with, in the keychain, and then you have a keychain password, and uh, you don't really care about the details of what's in the keychain. That's right. This is just like a better keychain. So yeah, that's right. Um, I, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll mention one cool thing found. I I you know, I didn't expect this to uh, ramble on and on and have so many good little techie <laughs> things to talk about. So I'd queued up a bunch of cool stuff found, which maybe we'll do on on the other end since I'll be back from vacation and we'll be kind of swamped with stuff. Um, DaisyDiscApp.com. So you know that we're obsessed with knowing where all our hard disk space has gone and who's eating it. And uh, Daisy Disk is yet another app in this this realm. And if you visit DaisyDiscApp.com, you can see a little movie or even just a screenshot of how things are organized. And it's it's got this kind of Star Trek look, but uh, but it's actually a pretty cool uh, it, way. And you can you can download a you know free trial, and then it's like twenty bucks if you want it, which kind of a lot actually, but uh, but certainly worth checking out if you're obsessed with your disk space like like John and I are, because you know that's. Uh, that's how we roll. Have you run Daisy Disk yet, John? I looked at the webpage. No, I have not run it. Okay. Yeah, I haven't either, but it just looks, you know, 
So to me, so so the thrifty version, of course, is uh, Omni Disc Sweeper, which now is free. That's right. It's been for a while, but but it's 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 textual, and they do give you some visual cues as to how large something is. I think based on the order of magnitude of space it takes up, but it's it's certainly not. And I know Daisy Disc is one. I know there are a few others, but. Yeah. yeah, for people that are visual or just, it, it's easier visually. Right. And yeah, when, when I looked at their website, it's like, OK, that's a cl- that that's an even more clever way of doing it. I know there are others that I think display it in blocks that this does it in kind of a circle yep. thing, which some may like. But uh sounds like you like it. So. I do. Or at least I like the way it looks. Uh, you know, another thing that I, I really am not prepped to talk a lot about yet uh, mm-hmm. because I only started using it this morning is Spotify. I uh, I've got a Spotify premium account. Uh, as of, you know, whatever, eight o'clock this morning and Spotify is a music streaming library, uh, aggregation service. If you will, you, uh, you can basically play, uh, any song that's out on in their library or any song that's in your library. If you have this subscription, uh, it's kind of like a controllable version of Pandora, but even more than that, because you can build playlists of specific songs and you can sync those to and from your iDevice. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's been available in, in Europe for a while and they finally just got all the deals. Oh, right. So, Oh, cause I was going to say, I'm sure the lawyers are just, Oh uh, no, this was, this was, uh, this was a long time in coming to the oh, U.S. If so the music companies the are okay with this. Oh, yeah. No, they've been okay with it in the in the Europe, I think, for a while. And then, like I said, just last week, they finally got the the, deal, the yeah. last deal with Warner here in the U.S. Yeah, nice. So, yeah. If you got an extra invite. Let me, I don't, you know, I I don't to, have any invites, but uh, it, when I do, we'll, uh, we'll start offering them out. Yeah. Well, no, because I tried because a, a few people today were tweeting through uh, Clout. I guess Clout was offering them. Uh-huh. And I was really happy because I went to Clout to try to get a free invite, and and my Clout rating, Dave, is is off the charts. Oh, is that right? It's four oh four, and this is K L O U T, huh? Four oh four is said, it right? can't it can't find the page. Yeah, four oh four four means that Clout servers were were, were uh, dying. That's bad. Well, four oh four doesn't mean it. Four oh four means not found, not. Now, not, in not this case, 404 meant something on the cloud servers was seriously broken mm. because everybody was dogpiling trying to get these free Got it. Spotify invites. Yeah, I had a, so yeah, uh, I clicked on the link. I'd sit there for a while and it said 404, not found. I have the, I have the good people at Sonos to thank for, uh, for my, my link this morning. So thanks, Thomas. That was, uh, that was very much appreciated. Uh, we don't have Spotify invites, but we, we will. Uh, but there's, there are other reasons no, to get in no. touch with us. And, uh, and, you know, you can do that by emailing feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Mm-hmm. Right, John? If somebody might want to email us, feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I'm almost positive, Dave, that you said feedback at MacGeekGab.com, but I'm, I, I'm not quite sure. I did, except for you premium folks, which uh, you have the right to email us at premium at MacGeekGab.com. What is that, Dave? Premium is a little something extra. Of Mac Geek Gab. You get two extra episodes a month. You get uh, access to this premium email address. You get uh, access to all of the archives. And and you get that warm, fuzzy feeling that can only come from being a premium subscriber and helping out your two favorite geeks. All of this is 25 bucks for six months. Uh, you can do a uh, one-time subscription. Or if you're a lifer, just you know set it on auto-renew and let it ride. And we certainly appreciate all of you that... Uh, 
that are premium subscribers. It's uh, it's really growing yes, in a in a nice way, and uh, and we have a whole lot of fun with those premium shows too. So if you uh, if you've been thinking about it, come join us. It'd be a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Anybody is welcome to email us, though. Welcome to call us at 206-666-GEEK, which, John, is 4335. And and another way, you can just see what we're up to. Uh, We did this uh, Facebook thing, facebook.com slash MacGeekGab. That's right. You can follow come John. Like on, us. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. You, oh. Yes, come like us on Facebook. It's a good thing. You can like follow- us. We, we do at the very least. We have the episodes posted there, and also when the show notes are released, you will see that on the Facebook site. So nice. And you may want to, you know, post something on our wall. Yeah. Uh, you can tweet John, or you can follow John on Twitter, or do whatever it is you want to do. Uh, we're on the Twitters. What can I say? John F. Braun is him. Dave Hamilton is me. Pilot Pete is that guy that's not here today. Uh, wherever he is. Mac Geek Gab is for the for the whole show, and uh, and then Mac Observer, of course, is the uh, is the granddaddy of them all. There, so. Uh, we'd like to thank Michael Johnston, who is also Michael Johnston on Twitter, uh, for converting this show to AAC as much as he does. It's, uh, it's awesome. So, uh, so thanks for doing that. That allows you to have all the chapters and, uh, links in the shows and, and he does this every time. It's great. So thank you, Michael. He's the host of the, we have communicators podcast, which I recommend you listen to as you're going to catch up and take a little week, uh, week break from Mac geek Gab here. So go check that one out too. And every now and then he gets creative. He and does. He got creative Michael in the last is, one. is, I can touch this. Very nice. That's all I'm going to say to him. He better be careful because if he starts doing edits like that, I'm going to start asking him to do edits like that, right? And then we're going to, it's going to increase the workload. It's going to be all kinds of stuff, right? We don't post produce, but that's only because I decided not to post produce because I don't have time. I'm not, I'm not against it as a philosophy necessarily. Uh, but I, I do after like, all this time, Dave, I, I do like I what we have. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we've figured it out after. Yeah. You and I have, have gotten, we're, we're in the groove. I think so. For the most part, right? I think so. Uh, cashfly.com provides all the bandwidth for you. Uh, gets the, gets the podcast from us to you. The podcast marketplace includes the A2 desktop, A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo from Barebone Software, Text Expander from Smile, Notebook from Circus Ponies, and of course, Drobo, SNFS at Drobo.com, all through Backbeat Media. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to do something here, John. We uh, we lost we lost a member of the Mac Geek Gab family recently. Uh, a dear friend uh, and, yes. and listener, Alan, uh, passed away, and uh, and he was a constant contributor, and uh, it was a, an unexpected uh, loss. So, as opposed to our little geeky tagline here at the end, we're going to have a, a moment of silence for Alan. We miss you, buddy. Made up.